Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. The series is called The One Another's. Did you know there's over a hundred times that the Scripture in the New Testament calls us to do something for one another? I mean, it calls us to do things for one another I know you don't want to do, and I'm not sure I want to do it. But they're all so important to help us understand what God wants for us and, and what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and what it looks like to be a Christian. And we're going to start with the hardest. I know it sounds like the easiest, but it's actually the hardest. Love one another. Say it with me. Love one another. Now, let me tell you a story. I grew up in a town uh, that I was in the minority. And, in fact, went to high school. And the high school was 70, 70% black, 30% white. Every team I played on, every sports team I played on, I was in the minority. So when I first ran into people who couldn't love somebody because of the color of their skin, I, I looked at them like, I don't know where you grew up. I don't know what planet you're from. How do you not love somebody just because of the color of their skin? And so it, I struggled with it. Now, as I've been on the journey, I can tell you, while I may be doing well in one area, oh my goodness, I have all kind of issues with other areas. So what I'm saying is that love one another is a broad category. And it means we love everyone no matter if it's an issue of color of skin, issue where you grew up, whether you drive a Ford or a Chevy. I got dissed the other day because I was driving a Chevy. And I'm telling you, it's just we grow up in a world that is so divisive. And I, I know you're probably sitting there going, oh, I love everybody. No, you don't. <laughs> I know better than that. You're saying that to get me off your back. I, I love everybody. We don't love everybody. In fact, you can't. God is the only one that can love everybody. But do you love someone? Somewhere? And is it a person that's different than you? So let me challenge you. Person different than you. They may not have the same color skin. They may not have the same income. They may not live in the same area. They may have grown up in another country. They might have even grown up up north. See, I grew up in the south. Oh, my goodness. That Mason-Dixon line meant something. And I thought everybody from the north, you got to watch them. you got to keep an eye on them. I moved down here, and I'm like, my goodness, some of the sweetest people I've ever met. And then I found out they got great fishing in the north. I'm like, I like the north, you know. But I'm, I'm just telling you, we all have categories and areas. Now, I need to do better. I'm just confessing to you. I know that I've come a long way, but I need to do better. And here's why. Jesus is calling us to do better. He's calling me. He's calling you to do better. And so we're in the process of learning. We're on a journey, and, and, and we'll get it figured out. But you've got to understand this is a journey. And I really, let me tell you what, I really believe that most people 
really do want to get along. They want to love each other. And I'll go on record today. I believe what Charles Barkley said is right. He said at the NCAA tournament, the last game, he said he believed there are most people in this country really do want to get along and they want to work things out, but it's like we got politicians keep driving a wedge between us and the media keeps driving a wedge between us. So let me encourage you. Quit listening to them. Let's pick up the one book that I promise you, you follow this and it'll work. And, and it'll make perfect sense. Now, it's going to be challenging. In fact, I'm going to show you a verse today that's challenging. But that's okay. Can I give you a, a, a Navy SEAL quote? I was not a Navy SEAL. Make sure you know that. But a Navy SEAL motto, well, it wasn't their motto, but it was one of the things they heard often. Here it is, and I want you to remember this. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. The world we live in and what we're facing in this culture, we're never going to be comfortable. It's, things are going to push us. Things are going to challenge us. I, I don't know how you can read this book and be comfortable because it challenges me. I see myself and I'm like, man, I, got, I thought I was there, but I got a long way to go. So let's just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And here's a great quote from Tim Keller. The Bible's teaching is that the road to the best things is not through good things, but usually through the hard things. And what that means is God wants to take you somewhere. He wants to take you to a whole new level of love, a whole new level of living out this gospel, representing Jesus. And by the way, it's not going to go through good things and easy things. It's going to go through hard things. But it, it is worth journey. So let's take this journey together. As we walk through the one another's, let's start with the one that challenges us the most, love one another. And the first question is, how do you love one another? How do you embrace that and, and deal with that? And you know, it's not just about racism, but certainly it rears its ugly head in racism because we, we tend to love those like us. But when you think about it, there's nobody else like you. In fact, everybody's different than you. And that's by design. So why not get comfortable with uncomfortable? Why not get comfortable with that? You, you will never meet anybody just like you. So if your criteria for loving someone is they're like you, it's going to be a lonely life for you. Because we're all different. For some, it is race. For some, it's where you live and where you went to school. For some, it's Gators, Seminoles. For some, it's whatever else. And there's always going to be something that could make it difficult for you to love someone. But what God says is that we can do it. You know why? Because we know the source of love. We know the one who created this crazy thing called love. And I want you to turn to 1 John First John, now it's not the Gospel of John, written by the same guy, but it's First John. It's way over. In fact, the best thing to do is go to Revelation and back up, okay? Put in reverse, back up, and you'll see First John. If you're streaming, I want you to get it on something or in front of you so that you can walk with us through this passage. I, I got to tell you this, the, the book of First John and Second John and Third John, it's probably the theme of those books. It's really a lot about love. I mean, it talks about love all the time, loving one another. 
And you know what's crazy about that? John the disciple, you know what he used to be? When Jesus called him to be one of the disciples, the Scripture called him a son of thunder. You know why the Scripture called him a son of thunder? Because he was always coming down on people. He wanted to bring fire down on the Samaritans because they wouldn't listen to him. And he asked Jesus, do you want, to, do you want me to ask? And, and God sent fire down on them. And Jesus looked at him and said, no, John, that's not what we're about. That same guy is transformed by the love of Jesus. And now he's writing a book about how to love one another. Can I just tell you, the goal of God and the goal of what we do here is not information, it's transformation. We have to become more like Christ. Learning the books of the Bible is wonderful, but if it doesn't bring you closer to Jesus, why do it? Our goal is for that love to transform us. So you're reading a book that literally transformed this guy. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to read with me, and I'm going to break it down. I just like to make it where I can see it in the Scripture and kind of get a, get a handle. You're going to see the source of love. You're going to see the last thing, the power of love. And you're also going to see how God gave us the best picture of love ever. Okay? Just the source and a picture of love and then the power of it when we love like he loved. So I'm reading 1 John chapter 4. I'm just going to read a couple of verses and we'll talk about it. So the first one is simply the source of love. Beloved, let us love one another. Verse 7, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because, say it with me, God is love. Now, I'll start with the, the last statement we read. Anyone who does not love does not know God. It's really pretty simple. If you quack like a duck and you walk like a duck, you're probably a duck. And the, the sign he gives us is, if you don't love there's a real question of whether or not you know the source of love. And then he says, God is love. He doesn't say love is God. God is love. Love is to be defined by God. God is the one who created it. God is the one who should define it. Can I beg us? Now, I have to be careful here because so many of you right now are streaming through one of the social media platforms. And social media is great. It, it's, it's awesome. It, it does wonderful things. But could we quit letting the news and social media and podcasts and songs and every other form of media tell us what love is all about? This is what ought to tell us what love is all about. God is the source of love. So if he defines it and if he's the source of it, shouldn't we go to him to learn about it? Let me tell you, the greatest evidence of God in your life is that you love like he loves. It's not how many books of the Bible you know. I have people all the time apologize to me saying, Pastor, I just don't know much about it. I'm sorry. But some of them, I've watched their life. Man, they love like God. And I'm, I'm telling you, I would rather love like God than to memorize and know this book and live like I never met him. You follow me? Love is the greatest evidence that we know him. So the source of love is God. Secondly, What's the greatest picture of love there is? 
when Jesus died for you. He became God's sacrifice for you. Read the next verse with me. I'm in verse 10 now. Or excuse me, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Say that word propitiation five times in a row real quick. It's a big word. Let me tell you what the word means. It's a beautiful word. Time won't permit us to really dig through it, but I can tell you this. It is a word that means sacrifice. Jesus is God's sacrifice for us to take away our sin. Now, there is no greater picture of love than what God did for us. There's no greater picture. And let me tell you what's amazing. He said, this is love, not that you love God. After all, how could you not love a God that does that for you? I mean, how could you not love a God that blesses you and takes care of you and gives his son so that your sins are forgiven and he builds an eternal home for you called hell? I mean, my goodness, everything God has done, how could you not love him? Here's love that God loves you. That's love. You know why? We were sinners. We weren't even likable when Jesus came and died for us. He died for us to demonstrate the most incredible love ever. And the word love, in this passage, there are three words in Greek, actually four, if you count one, that some don't want to count, but anyway, there's at least three words, is the word agape. It's the highest form of love. And you know what this verse teaches me about that kind of love, this picture of, of love that God gives us? It's unconditional. If you look up Agape in any dictionary. I mean, it, it, you can probably Google it. It's there. I promise you. What does it mean? Unconditional love. Meaning, it's not love based on you and what you did. It's not love based on who you are. It's love based on who he is, and it doesn't matter who you are. And it's unconditional. So listen to this. That is the way God loved us. That's the way we are to love one another, without conditions. And every one of us struggle with that. And you know what we do? This is so sad. As Christians, we demonize somebody because they differ with us. We treat them like they're evil. We treat them like they, well, they're, they're, they're listening to the devil. We, we say all kind of things. We do that. Why? Because we don't have it in us to love them. Guys, you're never going to meet anybody in the world or around you, in your neighborhood or at work. You're never going to meet anybody that really is outside of the call of love on your life. Never. You'll never meet someone that you can actually justify to God. Well, the reason I don't love them is this. Uh-uh. Not going to work. You know why? Because he loved you. You see, God loves broken people. So should we. He loves broken people. So should we. And you know what? Let me remind you. You're broken too. I'm broken too. So therefore, how could anything keep us from loving somebody? It's not conditional. So I just love them. I mean, I, 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 I treat them the way God treated me. And by the way, they're not your enemy. 
This is not a world us versus them. You'll never see this scripture talking about that, okay, everybody out there is your enemy. No, they're not. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. You follow me? There's a war, no doubt. There's a war. Paul writes about it. But our war is not with flesh and blood. So just because they're a Republican, that's not your enemy. Or because they're a Democrat or because they think this or they look like this. No. In fact, I'll tell you what it is. They're not your enemy. They're your mission. God's challenge to you is love them the same way he loved you. So that's the picture. And the last thing is the power. Love is a strong thing. Read the last two verses with me that we'll read this morning. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one who has ever seen, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Man, let me tell you what that says. First of all, nobody has seen God, but they see you. And if there is a big difference in you and God, guess what? They don't believe in God. You follow me? The love of God in us ought to reflect. It ought to look enough like God that they can see God in us. Because no one can see God. But they can see us. And here's what I think this passage teaches me. When I love someone... I get better at loving someone. When I take a step, it gets easier. When I just try, it gets easier. Let me show you what I mean. Look at the last phrase of verse 12. If we love one another, God, God abides in us, and his love is what? Perfected. Now, that's ESV. Perfected in us. And that, that means a couple of things. It, one is it means that's the purpose of his love is to go through you. You're not supposed to be a reservoir. You're supposed to be a river. In other words, God's love just flows through you. That's when his love is perfected. But the other thing that means is maturity. You become more mature when you love somebody. You actually become more mature. His love is perfected in you when you love somebody. I mean, the best way I know how to, to tell you that is you get better at loving when you love. And sometimes we're just afraid to take that first step because we don't know what to do. We're not sure. I think it's okay to feel that way. I, uh, after my brain surgery in November, I was praying the Lord would... I, I just said, Lord, I, I really want to... I want to use what I've been through to help somebody, and I, w I want to be a blessing. And it wasn't long after that I ran across a story of one of our students at the First Academy that had run into some, some difficulties and had to, had to be uh, moved from TFA, and he's now at Jones. And when I heard his story, I, I remembered him, an incredible athlete. And his mom was one of our Lydia House ladies. The Lydia House is a ministry we have here that helps women when they're released from prison or from jail. And so I started getting information about him because his story really touched me. And I said, God, I, I don't know that I would recognize him if I saw him because it's been a long time. And so, Lord, I don't know if, if I'm supposed to do something in his life to help him, but maybe that's something you want me to do. I just remember saying that, and I, I forgot about it. My first Sunday back after the brain surgery, I'm standing over there at the foot of that ramp, 
And I'm talking to somebody sitting down, and, and I turned around, and when I turned around, I'm telling you, he's standing there. And I haven't seen him. I mean, I, I know he's here, but I never see him until that day. Now, how many of you think that's just, co- oh, it's just coincidence. That's just one of those things. Oh, no. In fact, I almost started shaking. Because it was like God saying, okay, here you go. My thought was, I know his dad's in prison. I know his mom got out of jail, and we helped her. And so they are back together. And God, he's a young black man, 16 years old, I, and he's a great athlete. I, what, I don't know how to do this. And the Lord said, just try. And so I went to him. First called his mom, and I said, hey, I, this is going to sound crazy, but can I take your son under my wing? And she said, what do you mean? I, I mean, just hang out with me, spend weekends with me, you know, up here at the church, and, and just kind of hang out when we can. And I asked him, I sat down in my office, and I said, this is a crazy question for an old white guy to be asking you. <laughs> but I really want to help you, because you've touched my heart. And man, he, he gladly... He said, oh, absolutely, and he has been a joy. I'm telling you, I, I'm just figuring it out, and we're doing some things at Christmas. He came, spent some time with us. We went to a movie on Christmas, and I made this crazy promise to him. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you $20 for every A you make. I'm going broke. He's making straight A's. I mean, literally straight A's. He texted me the other day. He said, I got my report card. Here it is. And I said, how much do I owe you? He said, 120 bucks. I said, man, that's the best 120 I've spent in a long time. So let me tell you why. Guys, the longer I'm with him, the more I love him. And he's an awesome kid. You'll see him with me every weekend. I don't want to embarrass him. I told him I wasn't going to embarrass him today, so I'm not going to have him stand and do all that. But, but I know. <laughs> You're going to be in trouble with him. You keep that up. I don't, want, I don't want you to fear, I'm not sure what to do. How about just take it? That's the Lord's thing. Come on, you got to believe that, right? You got to take a step. So how about this? Picture somebody that you work with or lives in your neighborhood. Are you willing to just get to know them? Picture somebody different than you, okay? It may not be color, maybe something else, you know. Are you willing to get to know them? You see, that workshop we've been talking about, love one another, that's why we're doing that workshop. I'm so excited about it. Leah, in fact, she's one of the, one of the dreamers of that, and she's going to be one of the presenters. And, and this wasn't our staff coming up with a plan, and we said, okay, we got to do it. No, no, no. It was our members coming to us saying, hey, we got an idea. What if we had a workshop on just how to, how to love each other and how to have a conversation and how to talk? To one another. Man, it's going to be, in fact, I'm going to be at the first one next Sunday at 1130. I get to be there at the very first part of it. So what I'm encouraging you to do, consider taking a step to at least try, okay? Now, here's what you're going to find out. It really is pretty simple. I asked several people, what can I do? And all of them were different than me. Most of them were black, most of them were of another ethnicity, or they were of another country. And I asked them this question, what is the best thing somebody like me could do to love you? 
Tell me what to do. And you know what they said? Three things. Number one, just understand me. Understand one another. Just understand. You know what that means? They're not like you. Understand where they came from. Understand what they've been through. Understand kind of what's going on in their life. Guys, as much as I have identified with my black brothers and sisters, mainly my brothers that played ball with me, I'm telling you, we were best friends. I will never be able to fully understand what it's like to grow up black in this country. I, I, I will not. I can't understand that because I've grown up white. And that's not an apology. That's just the fact. So maybe the first step is just trying to understand what it's like to grow up in their shoes. And, and you know what's cool is that you don't have to fully understand somebody to love somebody. You can love them without fully understanding. My going on mission trips, and I've been in Africa, I've been in South America, I've been in Thailand, I've been all over, and I love those people. I don't understand. My goodness, I was in Thailand, and I didn't know you're never supposed to point Okay? You're never supposed to point. And there was this young lady that was so gracious to me. She worked for the, the place where we were having the conference. She was so gracious. I wanted to give her some flowers. And so I got permission to do that and took the flowers to her and I gave them to her. And she's looking at me like, I don't, I'm not understanding. And this is what I did. This is stupid. I looked at her and I pointed to me and I said, and when I pointed to her, she put her head down in shame. And then it hit me, oh, you're not supposed to point. Something as simple as that. If I can just understand more about you, it's going to help me to love you. So maybe we just start by understanding one another. How about this? Listening to one another. You know why God gave you two ears and one mouth? Anybody want to guess? I just think the Proverbs in this book teach us to listen. And you, you would be shocked at how many things I've changed my opinion on just because I listen to somebody. So listen to them. Your, your opinion's not the only one. And by the way, nobody has perfect truth. Nobody, including me, has perfect truth. The Bible says we know in part, but one day we're going to know perfectly. Not now. We all are figuring it out. And I have come to this really scary conclusion, I might be wrong. And you might be wrong. So listen. And as you listen, maybe there's things that you learn that make such a difference. And the, the last thing I, that they told me, and I think this makes perfect sense, is respect. Respect one another. Why? Because we all came from the same place. Okay, I got to tell you this story. Acts 17, you can look it up later. Acts 17, Paul is in Rome, I mean in, in Athens. He's in probably the city that thought it was the smartest, wisest city on the planet. That's where all the philosophers would hang out. That's where all the wisdom comes from. Athens, Athens, Greece. So here's Paul, he's by himself, and he goes up to a place called Mars Hill where all the philosophers would present their philosophies. They'd present new ideas. And Paul's up there, and he wants to jump in the middle of it. So he begins to preach. But he didn't preach a philosophy. Here's what he said. He said, you know what? We're all God's children. We came from the same creator. 
He created Adam, and from Adam, he has created every nation on the planet. And let me tell you why that was so offensive to them. They thought, Athenians thought, they came from the soil of Athens. They were better than everybody. They were a lot better than everybody. Why? Because they were from Athens. They came from the soil. Paul said, no, you didn't. We all came from the same place. And he said, you know what? God determined where we should live. He determined the boundaries. And he actually determined when we should live. And then he says this, and God created you to seek him, and he's not far from you. In him we live, move, and have our being. So in other words, Paul just preached the gospel in those words. Now here's what's so refreshing about that. I believe that. How many of you in this room had something to do with being born in the USA? In other words, you chose to be born in the USA. Let me see your hand. Oh, you chose that? I don't think you chose that. Okay? None of us. All right? How many of you chose your race? How many of you chose to be white? None? How many of you chose any ethnicity? None. Isn't that funny? How many of you chose where you would live? Now, you said later, but not where you were born. How many of you chose when you would be born? How come you're living in 2021 and not 1921 or 1821? Did you have anything to do with that? No. Well, isn't that interesting? All this stuff that we develop pride over and think we're better than somebody, we had nothing to do with it at all. It is nothing but God. God just in his sovereignty said, you're going to be here, you're going to be there, you're going to live this time and that time. And so the point is, we can respect one another because we're all from the same place. God created us in his image. God help us never to see ourselves as better than anyone. And so if you do these things, you know what's going to happen? We're going to show them Jesus. They're going to see Jesus in us. When you start loving this way and living this way, guess what? They're going to see Jesus. There was a, a man who lived in the second century. His name was Tertullian. <laughs> Crazy name. But he was a, a brilliant leader of the church in the second century. He came up, I, I thought this came out of the sports world. He said the best defense is a great offense. He said the best defense of Christianity is a great offense. And what do you mean by that? Loving one another. In fact, he quoted a leader who was an unbelieving leader, and he quoted him as saying, there's something about these Christians, they love one another. You see, I personally believe it's going to be real difficult for our world to believe in our gospel of love when they don't see love in us. That's not going to make any sense, and who's going to believe that? What God wants to do is show through us the love of Jesus. And I personally believe racism is one of the greatest threats to the gospel on the planet today. Because they're not going to believe. If we don't love each other, how are they going to believe this gospel? A gospel of love. So what do we do? We love each other. We ask God to help us. And we got to start somewhere. Because you know what? Somebody's watching. Let me take you back. Some of you know the story of my father, and he got fired from a church because he stood up against the Klan and against white supremacy and the fact they only wanted white people in that church. He said, I'm not going to be a part of that. 
But you may not know my story of my grandfather. My grandfather was an immigrant. His dad was an immigrant from Denmark, came to this country through Ellis Island. Got a, we got a picture of the ship that he came in and also a signature where he signed in. Now, my grandfather ended up in Mississippi, Oxford, Mississippi. Now, I don't know how you go from Copenhagen, Denmark to Oxford, Mississippi. How, do, how does that work? But that's where he ended up. And he came to this country because he was looking for a place where people are free. He was looking for democracy. My grandfather got to Oxford, Mississippi, and he saw racism in the 1920s as bad as it could ever be. And my grandfather did something that I didn't know about completely until recently. I got a phone call with a girl named Kylie Burke. She is a law student at Northeast Law School in Boston. And she said, is this David Youth? I said, yes. She said, do you know a man named Gus Youth? I said, that's my grandfather. And she said, sir, I'm black. I'm a law student. And I am writing a paper on the South during the early days of the 20th century. Did you know your grandfather is a hero? I said, I mean, I, I loved him. I, I, I knew him a little. What do you mean? She said, he was a hero to all of us who are black. I said, why is that? She said, because he took up the fight for our freedom. And she started reading me stories of where he would house people traveling. The black sharecropper who was trying to get land and trying to make it on his own, she, he would fight for them. And then all of a sudden, I remembered a story my dad told me. When he grew up in that household, I remember my dad carried a scar. I, I could see it. If you knew him very well, you could see it. But he didn't like for people to see it, obviously. There was a scar. It started at the top of his forehead, ran right down his nose, over his nose, all the way down here. And I never knew what it was. And one day he told me, he said, David, I got made fun of because I, my, grand, my dad, your grandfather. My white friends call me a blank lover. I'm not going to fill the word in. Starts with N. You can figure it out. And he said, I would fight him. And he said, one of them pulled a knife on me. And he said, he got me right here before I could do anything. And he said, I carry that scar because of it. My grandfather was the president of the Oxford Ole Miss Christian Club. Wow. Okay, now, now follow this. But he died an atheist. He died an atheist and he died a communist. How does that happen? I said, Kylie, are, are you sure of all this documentation? She said, I'll send it to you. And I saw it on paper. He was a president of that club. She said, I think this is what happened. And my family and I believe this is exactly what happened. My grandfather sought the church out. He sought Christians out. And when he saw racism everywhere he went, in the churches, in the Christian clubs, he walked away and said, there is no God. Now, I want to be real careful what I'm about to say. I'd, I believe if my grandfather's in hell, which I have no reason to believe he's not, 
because my dad did everything he could to win him to Jesus before he died. My grandfather is in hell because he rejected Jesus. You need to hear me. He rejected Je Racism has sent no one to hell. Rejecting Jesus Christ is what sends people to hell. But follow me. My grandfather looked for Jesus. My grandfather wanted to give Jesus a chance, and everywhere he looked in every life, there was no expression of Jesus, and he walked away. How is it we call ourselves Christians? And yet when somebody like my grandfather starts looking for evidence of the love of Christ for all people, they find nothing. So you know why I carry this deeply, why it burdens me that we, the church, have lost a voice because we don't look like Jesus. We don't love like Jesus. So I love being able to stand here and call us all back to the simple truth. Love one another. Because you never know who's watching. And the world desperately needs to see love today. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? I want you to ask, who is it in your life that you can say, I want to reach out to them. I want to have a conversation. Somebody that's different. It may not be a color issue. It may be, you know, political. It, it could be a number of things. Can you just ask him right now? Can we ask, Jesus, help me do that? I, I, want, to, I want to have a conversation with I want to. I want to reach out. Maybe you're here or you're streaming and you've never come into a relationship with Jesus. You don't understand the love of Jesus. And so maybe you've had trouble finding it. Can I tell you, it's real. God gave his son Jesus to change your life. For God so loved the world that he gave. That if you would believe, you'll have everlasting life. And, and I want to encourage you to put your trust in Jesus. Follow Jesus. We're not always the best representative, but follow Jesus. Lord, thank you for speaking to us and calling us back to what you are the source of. Love one another. And so, Lord, help us to do it. So I'll ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look this way. If you want to talk with somebody, you have some more questions. You can text the word CONNECT to 40777 if you're streaming. It would be a great way to connect with us. We'll have some follow-up. Also, there's a, a, a place called CONNECT. It's on uh, B-side over here. It's on A-side lobbies, and it says CONNECT. You just go, and there are people there to have a conversation with. As we walk out of here today, I want to remind you of some of the most powerful words that I've ever read. When Paul said, so what good is it if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love? I'm just like a noisy symbol. I'm a clanging sound. What if I could have enough power to move mountains with my faith? What if I understand all mysteries, but I don't have love? I am absolutely nothing. God help us to love one another. God bless you. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Thank you for being a part of the service today. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. 
For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.